have such sights to show you. Poppin' a scary horror podcast here. Woo. I'm your host Cole, and with me, as always, I have my good friend and co-host Aaron. Aaron, what's happening, bud? Nothing much. Oh, How right. are you? Oh, I'm feeling pretty peppy. Uh-huh. Peppy yeah. Rolly, that yeah, is. Oh yeah, we need some peppy rollies. This yeah. is my first time discovering a peppy roly. I'm excited. Yeah, so stay tuned for that review it's after ab- the intro. It's an abomination of science. Speaking of, <laughs> I, I, I. I'm not sure whether that was the best or worst transition, but... Uh, Who knows? Yes, to be determined. But yes, it does uh, correlate with your words in the fact that we're... Yes, we're watching uh, Frankenstein, another one of the uh, Universal Monster icons. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. Aaron, yep. I know that with uh, Dracula, you weren't familiar with the original source material right. of Bram Stoker Dracula. Are you familiar with uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? This is a funny one, because I'm pretty familiar with the source material... I've never read it, nor and I've never watched Frankenstein, but I've got all kinds of fun facts just because I was really interested in kind of that era of literature. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, the Edgar Allan Poe kind of era when people were where people were were frightened of science. I mean, this was the time when people thought that something like Frankenstein could actually happen because there were real experiments out there that people were were shocking toads with lightning and they were seeing their legs move or whatever Mm -hmm. and they were like, oh shit, what if we could reanimate corpses? Um, And this is the same time that people were just afraid of, of... of getting buried alive and all these grim sort of realities of the 1800s. Uh, and that's why a lot of just the literature that came out of this this time period is just dark and awful and um, um, and, and, and creepy and about death. Um, and so I'm interested to dive into this period, even though I don't, I, like, I kind of vaguely know the story of Frankenstein itself, um, but more so I just know like the environment in which it was created in, in which Mary Shelley was married to the poet Percy Shelley, uh, <laughs> created Frankenstein during what they called the endless summer. I mean, it was or the, the, the what what the, the the year with no summer. I think rather because it was uh, when Mount Tamboro, the volcano exploded, filled the sky with ash, and it was just rainy and dark and cold and miserable for an entire year. I mean, there were there were days especially where where Mary Shelley was living where there would just be no there would be no light for an entire day it was just an endless night um it's in the winter so just like a really depressing time to be alive especially considering in 1800 they didn't know that that's why there was no light and no summer and it was just dark and miserable they didn't know Mount Tamboro had exploded and shot ash into the atmosphere and and made it miserable for everybody they just knew that Wow, this is a shitty year. Um, (laughs) So, anyway, all these things come together to create the monster of Frankenstein and the story. I mean, these were real fears that people had at the time, and this was real horror um, in, in what, 1819 or whenever this was written. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm excited to see the um, old-timey universal uh, film adaptation of this. I hope it captures some of that initial eerie uh, macabre. 
Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm just letting you on a roll. I was just like, you're on, you're on a streak. You're on fire. I'm, I'm not touching sometimes, that. Sometimes uh, it, it intersects with like little portions of literature I'm particularly interested in, so I, I get on my little soapbox. But no, hey, I'll, hey. I'll, I'll hop off my soapbox because I've again, I've never actually read Frankenstein. Um, probably should have by now. I, I might after we watched this movie. But... Well, in, in fact, you could probably borrow my copy right oh. here that I had from school. So I uh, actually uh, read uh, Frankenstein in college mm-hmm. for a class. And fortunately for me, I was already well interested in Frankenstein because around the time I had to read uh, the novel Frankenstein, it was like three years after I had already watched the uh, Universal uh, Picture film Frankenstein Mm -hmm. there. So I was already interested, but I was very uh, surprised to kind of see that it's kind of a different creature all its own Mm -hmm. whenever it comes to it. And so there's been like kind of, I don't know. It's like, and I think we'll be able to talk about this more in the adaptation because I'm not sure how familiar you are with the story of Frankenstein. I know mm-hmm. you know the history about it, but just the I know, actual like the bullet points. I know like mm-hmm. the the like the story arc from a really zoomed out okay. point, but I don't know like the specific details. Okay, yeah. Well, it'll it'll definitely be really interesting to dive in because. Um, yeah, whenever it came to uh, my history with uh, Frankenstein as a whole, I mean, it's kind of the same thing as Dracula, where mm-hmm. you're a little kid, you know about it, you know, right. he's like this big green guy, goes, you know, yeah. goes around there. And so I was always familiar with that. So whenever I watched the film Frankenstein, it uh, pretty much was a trip. Uh, I'm trying to keep from uh, spoiling it there, but mm-hmm. basically... Um, it was definitely uh, quite a film watching it there. And so um, reading the novel also, while it is different from the film as a heads up, mm-hmm. I do find things I appreciate about the film. It's like it's like they both diverge in two different paths, but I respect each of their paths, and I mm. don't think like one is better than the other. Just, just tell me this. Does the... Well, I guess you can't. That would yeah. Be I was, yeah, was going to ask, because I, I just want to know if it ends the same or not. But I guess um, you can't tell me that. I guess I'll find out. Because you, you, do you know the ending of Frankenstein? I know, like, the book ending. I don't know. Okay, the book ending. Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, I, I will keep tight-lipped on that, because that is also another thing that I could talk uh, extensively about, is the endings of each film. Because mm-hmm. with the way the film ends versus how the book ends i have my own thoughts and feelings about each of them and mm. uh it, it's really i'm really excited about this episode it's really going to be an interesting dive because you have the uh literary uh backbone there to bring to the table while i have more so kind of the pop culture and a little bit of literary this time round yeah. uh to kind of contribute with uh frankenstein you so handed me the book yes i'm and, looking at it yes. and it's it's first page they have the little the initial mm-hmm. like uh, first page from the old 1818 edition it says yeah. frankenstein or the modern prometheus and i love this i just want to bring it up it has a quote from paradise lost which if you, which is milton you know which mm-hmm. is also an eerie weird take on like creation and mm-hmm. like the adam and eve story but mostly of satan and how he was actually <laughs> the good guy you know a really weird epic to write mm-hmm. way back in the day so that's awesome that it starts with that epic poetry and of course she'd be a milton fan because she's married to the poet percy shelley 
who's that was like Milton you could you could argue is like the original romantic and Shelley was one of the romantics so yeah um, well this is going of, to be lots of good context there. yep lots of good stuff to look forward to so our pepperonis are getting cold yeah so. that's true we gotta dive in <laughs> I know we'll be right back after we watch Frankenstein it's alive oh, it's alive it's alive it's alive it's alive And we are back from being pepperolied and watching Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> so, Aaron, uh, mm. reviews on both. Uh, pepperoli, interesting concept. You know, you kind of told me it was like a cinnamon roll but with like pepperoni. And so, in my mind, there was a cinnamon involved in the mix. But, but I see what you're saying. It's just mm-hmm. like pepperoni dough in the shape of a cinnamon roll. Yes. Um, good concept. Yeah, I'm always looking for a new, new twist on the classic tale. Uh, and that's kind of what we got on uh, the monster movie too. Oh you know dang! <laughs> Look at that transition. That was smooth as butter there. Oh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. as uh, smooth as my poop is gonna leave my body after eating all those oh pepper my rolls. God. Oh my god, Aaron! <laughs> <laughs> all right, so oh. Frankenstein, Frankenstein. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's a lot of it's mm-hmm. a lot of the Frankenstein pop culture that I come to understand. You know, big bolts in the neck, ooh, mm-hmm. lumbering Frankenstein monster, and um, torches and fire, and ah, uh, yeah, you know, Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dark and brooding and, and stormy and yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a vibe. I love it. Um, it's uh, yeah, it was definitely a little more like, I guess a little more violent than Dracula, which we just mm-hmm. watched, but um, still like really, really tame by today's standards. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I I loved it. It was eerie and uh, you know science fictiony and yeah. I, I I completely agree with all those, which makes it hard to believe because here here's the interesting thing I'll get into is the fact that Frankenstein was also released in 1931. The movie. So, yeah, 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 the, yeah. Yeah, the movie. So they were both mm-hmm. released uh, in the same year, but yet they feel drastically different. Yeah, they, they do. This one does feel like um, even just, I mean, a lot of the special effects and stuff are cheesy, but even just in like the effects department and stuff, mm-hmm. it just seems... Um, better, better made mm-hmm. quality. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, and that's why I consider myself very fortunate that this was the first Universal monster movie I ever saw. Because again, mm-hmm. I got those two VHS tapes, and I'm just like, oh, you know, oh, I'm a little curious. I'll, I'll watch, you know, Frankenstein, and it, it just blew me away the first time watching mm-hmm. it. And again, just you know, popping that cassette in and just watching it on my TV, I was just. Still blown away in 2011 whenever I first watched this movie, just getting to experience it. And I can safely say, watching it now on uh, the newly released 4K disc they came out with, I felt like I got, it just felt like I'm experiencing it all over again Mm -hmm. there. And I, I mean, I'm pretty much on the same boat as you. Like, I just was enthralled. I was worried a little bit at the beginning at certain portions there where, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of setting up the pieces a little bit. I'm just like, 
okay, you know, hopefully it's not that slow. But like once it gets to the lab, things start speeding up immensely. Yeah, they're like I do think the pacing's pretty good throughout. There, no, there it really is. Definitely some lulls, but um, yeah, for for. A movie, especially yeah, like an old nineteen thirties movie, um, yeah, they, where where they don't have as much, you know, tech and experience to sort of fill the gaps in in some of these things like they do nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, it really doesn't ever get boring. Mm-mm, no, and you know, with the plot especially, which I'll go ahead and explain now, basically follows uh, Doctor Henry uh, Frankenstein who is out gathering a whole bunch of uh, body parts for his experiment because as his uh, previous professor had uh, told both his fiance and his close friend that he had an obsession with life, therefore started dedicating all his work, time, and effort into recreating life. And so pretty much that's his whole goal. And then once he accomplishes it, he starts to kind of see the consequences of messing with such a power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think plot-wise, again, it it's one of those things that it's pretty much following in the exact steps somewhat as the novel where, you know, Dr. Victor Frankenstein in a book, that's mm-hmm. one of the changes they've made, mm-hmm. is in the movie he's named Henry, but in the book his name is Victor. Um, that was pretty much both their goals in mind is like, ooh, I really want to uh, discover life. But the interesting thing is the fact that, um, and we'll get to, to this with characters, but the characters in the novel versus the movie are two different beings there. Mm-hmm. And they it's not like one of those things like, oh yeah, they're following it to the book there, which is why it's not surprising that they've released other uh, Frankenstein films that have uh, hearkened more to the novel mm-hmm. as opposed to this interpretation uh, James Whale decided to do. But, you know, it, it's one of those things that um, even though they're different, they're strong in their own way and help deliver the story as they need to. And I think just the whole idea, kind of like you mentioned, Aaron, you know, just the fact that Mary Shelley was like up in the mountains there, just in darkness and just, you know, again, being like very curious about the sciences Mm -hmm. that they couldn't quite understand as to what this could possibly mean for the future. I think it's just an amazing plot. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just follows through of a man who, you know, is basically obsessed with one thing and then has to deal with the consequences of what comes afterwards. Yeah, yeah, and it's very, I mean, we mentioned she was married to uh, one of the romantic poets, Shelley, as you mm-hmm. probably know, Percy Shelley. Um, it, a lot of the concepts that this this grapples with really is, you know, in the same vein of, like, sort of, uh, you know, talking about God and, like, the the reaching beyond. This guy was trying to become God and create life, and he realizes his flaw mistake. I mean, it's no surprise that it opens with a quote from Milton about, you know, creation, uh, because from from Paradise Lost, which that whole epic poem is about, um, you know, the fall of of Lucifer from from, uh, heaven and then having to scratch his way out on earth and in hell. Um... It's like it has that sort of, that sort of vibe of you mm-hmm. know, um, Doctor Frankenstein trying to reach beyond and, and discover something and, and and you know go far and then realize you know why that's dangerous and um, have it backfire. On yeah, him. I think one of the most interesting things, especially because you know like 
um, it being like, you know, 11 years since I watched it the first time, mm -hmm. is noticing, kind of like you mentioned earlier, is how much more violent and provocative this film is, which it's... Yeah, for the 30s, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, exactly. And in fact, um, there's actually one quote, um, which, again, I, I feel like I don't have to worry about too much of spoilers because everyone knows kind of Frankenstein right, and right. the tale behind it and the fact that he... Uh, resurrects this creation here but mm -hmm. like the line whenever he says it's alive it's alive it's alive mm -hmm. um, he says uh, his friend goes Henry in the name of God and Henry goes oh in the name of God now I know what it feels like to be God mm -hmm. that was such a provocative controversial line that they actually removed it initially oh, yeah. and overblurted with thunder because they were just like oh my gosh that mm -hmm. is such a blasphemous thing to say there just mm -hmm. to again be playing god like that which fortunately they had the courtesy to re-add it in future releases and restored it nice. to back how yeah. it was but this is the time where you you couldn't have a a, a man and a woman lay in the same bed on screen you mm -hmm. know what i mean the first the first toilet didn't show up on screen for another, like, three decades, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like with this film, there's a lot more freedom that's given to it than I feel like Dracula was given mm -hmm. there. And not to say that, you know, the restrictions of Dracula hindered it massively, but it did hinder it just a small bit. As mm -hmm. opposed to this one, it just felt like it could do whatever. Right, and there's mm -hmm. definitely some signs of, like they cut away at parts where they probably wouldn't in a modern mm -hmm. version, you know, like somebody's getting choked and then it just kind of cuts to them being on the ground or whatever. Mm -hmm. Whereas they might, you know, in a modern version, explore that violence a little more mm -hmm. thoroughly. But um, that being said, I mean, a lot of people get like choked and beat up and stuff in this film. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, they, they show a good portion compared to something like Dracula. Yeah. And I feel like just like you mentioned, I feel like the pacing, it does have a couple of moments where it is a bit of a lull, but it's very brief. I feel like it yeah. doesn't hinder on it for too long. And, you know, that's kind of one of the interesting things because we talked about in Dracula, how there there was a lack of music throughout the film mm -hmm. and it felt present but in this film there was a lack of music but i never felt like it was just empty space right because they filled it with other elements of sound mm -hmm. design there was rain and crowds mm -hmm. and yelling and wedding bells and everything else yeah and that allowed moments to where whenever they don't have any sound or noise it's supposed to be that way because you're right. just focusing on the intensity of a scene or anything like that. But I feel like, again, sound department is just way more well-constructed, I feel mm -hmm. like, throughout this film there. And so it helps the pacing immensely. That's the only reason why I mentioned kind of the sound design coming mm -hmm. into it there. And um, with the cast of characters playing into this plot, I feel like they're a lot more stronger than the previous film yeah. they're like they're very more defined there now obviously i'm not going to pretend like you know there's like oh there's so much depth to each character mm -hmm. but you definitely feel like they are more well defined yeah. than just kind of pieces there yeah. to help the plot and they're all very well acted too yeah yes. i don't think anybody's really phoning it in you know there's mm -hmm. maybe one or two characters that are a little like straight laced normal mm -hmm. people but like you know so you, you can't really give those people a lot of spunk or whatever or flair but um you know even considering those sorts of parts i mean just yeah a lot of just just really well uh, mm -hmm. performed too yeah and i feel like um and it's actually kind of funny because uh some of the actors are from dracula mm -hmm. i i don't know if you noticed that 
I just figured there. everybody in yeah. the 1930s looked the same. But... <laughs> no, it's it's no worries at all, and we'll definitely uh, get to them. Uh, but I do have to mention one of the strongest performances in the film, and the one that just I never get tired of. It just never gets old. It's like perfected. Is Colin Clive's performance as Henry Frankenstein? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does really like, well. He does super well especially just being the more obsessed and manic Mm. you know scientist there whenever he's just in the fray of it and everything and whenever he speaks he speaks with such intensity and confidence and it's just so like mesmerizing like you just can't turn away kind of like in the same way that uh, Dwight Fry uh, did his performance and just speaking about just the creepy things whenever Mm -hmm. He um, had to make that character change. I feel like this one is that, you know, times 11. I just feel like this is the definitive, whenever I think of, you know, Dr. Frankenstein, I think of him there and other stuff there. And I feel like there's, I'd be really um, surprised to see any performance top his in that regard. Like they could get close, but this is just, it blew me away the first time watching it and yeah. just how many mood swings he has to do. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that we get to see him act more normal whenever he's like right. more collected and calm. And I really liked that a lot because yeah. it's not just one note. I'm crazy scientist mm-hmm. there. And that's a good point. He has mm-hmm. a, he has a difficult job as an actor, which is to, to, to constantly like be towing a line of like mm-hmm. to to be convincing both as the mad scientist and as the normal guy that's just really invested into a project and to to do those simultaneously you know what i mean mm-hmm. so you can see why people would be like you're crazy but you can also see well he's 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 on the breakthrough of something big here i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and to do that both at the same because i feel like it's yeah. easy to be like well, ha, ha, mad scientist and it's also easy to be like i'm doing my work you know but to to to, to merge those together constantly and to be yeah. flip-flopping in in the middle of a scene you know it's um it takes a lot of talent no i mean and i think you pretty much took the words out of my mouth of what i was going to say because uh one of the other things that i'll talk more about is that the script i feel like is strong like yeah. the dialogue yeah. it just hits home Mm -hmm. there and it's just unbelievably crazy especially because one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is whenever he succeeds in creating the creature there Mm -hmm. that you know he's questioned by his uh, former professor there and he goes into this big philosophical you know speech there Mm -hmm. and just talking about pursuing it and him just being confused as like why is he the one called crazy whenever he's looking at the bigger picture and everything right and i feel like that's just again you it's not even just like one of those things like okay he's just a crazy scientist there no Mm -hmm. he's deeply passionate and philosophical there to the point of being manic Mm -hmm. and so i think that's just again he's just has a killing performance like I, I, I'm I just speechless even talking about it right. just with how perfectly he played it there. And we could probably talk more about like the moments of each scene beat to beat whenever we're dissecting this film more. But just as is, I feel like his performance is just out of the park, you know, mm-hmm. 10 out of 10, uh, zero issues with there. And I feel like, of course, the other performance that, you know, I think we both have to uh, give credit to is Boris Karloff playing the monster. Yeah. Um, I feel like for him getting this role, 
he was given not a lot and elevated it to a high degree mm -hmm. there. Because, interesting fact, um, initially, whenever they were getting ready for uh, Frankenstein, um, they wanted Bella Lugosi to play the monster. Hmm. And Bella turned it down because he's like, I, what, I don't get to talk there? There's nothing <laughs> for me to do uh. there. And so then Boris Karloff took the place and in all honesty skyrocketed to fame to where there's kind of even a slight feud between bella and uh boris just because bella was just kind of jealous he's like why is everyone praising him i elevated my role mm -hmm. to this level here he just did nothing and stumbled around there so it's very interesting to see that because again just i feel like boris karloff could have easily just been there to do his job but somehow he channels the idea of being this, you know, newly created creature mm -hmm. and, you know, just, I mean, there's a reason everybody, whenever they think about, you know, Frankenstein's monster or Frankenstein, as they call it there, mm -hmm. I used to be nitpicky about it, but as I've gotten older, I've just kind of <laughs> let that battle go. It's just whatever. Everyone knows what they're talking about. Um, you know, whenever they think of the Frankenstein monster, they think of Boris Karloff, you know, going, yeah. I mean, that's the staple. That's what they think of. And uh, as opposed to the novel there, which I don't know if you know how the creature is in the novel there, but he's a lot more human. Yeah, he, he like talks and stuff, right? In mm -hmm. the novel, yeah. Yeah, he talks and he's just very more philosophical, which I think allows Mary Shelley, whenever she writes it, to kind of give her perspective on her view of life and mm -hmm. everything there. Because she was very, very uh, philosophical and deep thinking mm -hmm. as an individual there. So I think she kind of used the monster as another foil to Dr. Frankenstein there in the novel. And while this one, I think they just went down with the decision. Because again, it's like at the time, they're just like, okay, we need like universal monster there. You know, mm -hmm. let's make him more of a creature. But also at the same point, he's not just some lumbering oaf going around just causing havoc and destruction uh, because they do add that uh, humanity to him as well. Yeah. And so that's the thing I find really interesting there because there are like small moments, even at the very beginning, where you do see him uh, just trying to come to grasp with stuff he's coming into contact with there right. and also having to face the world both in the beautiful side and the ugly side all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I think Boris is able just to elevate it. Again, he can't talk at all, you know, can't speak with words there, only grunts in his expression, and he has loads of makeup on. Mm -hmm. Loads and loads of makeup on. So that's another thing he has to get through, but he just he just elevates it there. And so that's why it's like whenever you first see him in the film, I, I do admit they really did ham it up and build up to like, all right, here it is. Mm -hmm. Here it is. Boom. There's the creature right there. Um, but I still can't get enough of it. Just that first reveal. And so, uh, sorry, I was raving on and on. and didn't realize no, no. I was on a hot streak there, but yeah, needless to say another 10 out of 10 performance, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And again, it's one of those things where, you know, I feel like 
a lot of people get the sort of you know silhouette image of Frankenstein, if you will. It's like okay, he's the mm-hmm. guy. He holds his arms out. He goes ooh. Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's some of that. But if you watching that, I was just impressed with the complexity he was able to put in. You know, at a time when it's you know acting wasn't quite the craft it is today mm-hmm. to be able to like yeah he does some lumbering ooh you know moaning and then and, and doing some stiff movements and reacting to light and stuff but you really do see him evolve you know where he is kind of really simple-minded when he's first created and you see him become more complicated even without being able to speak you, um you see him you know kind of um, overcome some fears you see him kind of um, react to things differently and um and honestly you see him kind of get traumatized and like mm-hmm. um and 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 so he becomes you know one of the most human characters in the story which i think is an irony that's intentional where they're he, they, they, they grant him a lot of humanity despite the fact that everybody else is calling him a monster you know mm-hmm. yeah I, I think it's definitely good because this easily could have just been good versus evil kind of thing mm-hmm. there and um, i think if they had gone that route it would have been less effective yeah it's not very black and white because mm-hmm. frankenstein's monster does some monstrous things he does some awful things um but like you as the viewer get the privilege of knowing like okay i get why he's doing these things and so he's mm-hmm. not you know frankenstein's monster isn't like a great guy but he's he's also not a bad guy either so mm-hmm. yeah it just definitely is one of those things that he's put into a situation mm-hmm. there and his actions you know be it good or bad you understand where he's coming from mm-hmm. and so i think that's a hard role to be given but boris karloff i think just shot off and just cemented it as just one of another great performance in the film there and uh as for the rest of the cast the bars are set pretty high for them so Mm -hmm. i don't feel like any of the other performances jump over those but again that's kind of understandable whenever they just hit it out of the park but i feel like the rest of the cast is still pretty strong um i would say the love interest elizabeth is a lot more endearing uh to me as the audience mm-hmm. than the previous love interest in dracula mm-hmm. there which again she wasn't even in so much uh elizabeth wasn't in so much peril as the previous love interest because right. the love interest in dracula was constantly being pursued by dracula mm-hmm. there but with elizabeth i felt like she kind of went through more emotional turmoil there as opposed to physical because again she's supposed to be marrying uh dr frankenstein mm-hmm. but he's been so obsessed that he's just pushing away everything in his life in that moment just because he's so obsessed and you know you, you you've you understand people's obsession like in the fact that you know they're like oh is he coming out no he's still playing world of warcraft there <laughs> you know just like that <laughs> right. kind of level of obsession and so kind of seeing her go through that emotional turmoil and her concern for his well-being mm-hmm. it you know you feel for her a bit and again she's not given a lot in the script there but i feel like you know performance wise she's able to do a lot and whenever you do uh, hear may clark speak with her lines she does speak it with such endearing words and a sense of care there mm-hmm. and so you do sympathize with her which i think is good right, i yeah. think it's good because definitely if the other supporting characters performances weren't as strong i don't think this film would be as strong as it is mm-hmm. there and so i feel like again i do like how we kind of see from her perspective 
of like, you know, man, I'm really worried about Henry. He's just hasn't been himself, mm. you know, and worrying about it. And then whenever uh, she has to take care of him, mm. um, you also just get that peace of moment and that connection that they have between them, right. which I think is also important there. Um, I, I will say, unfortunately, one of the weaker performances I've noticed was uh, the uh, best man, Victor. Yeah, he's kind of, mm-hmm. he's a little flat. But... Yeah, a little flat, but definitely not as flat as uh, John from uh, Dracula. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there is a little bit of a weird dynamic between him and Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Mm. They're like a love triangle yeah. almost there. And, so, and it's very subtle and light. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just like, oh man, you know, I wish he treats you right, you know sort of thing there but he's also like you know the best man at henry's wedding so there's also that friendship there so it's a very interesting dynamic i just don't think it's ever fully developed like it only Mm -hmm. develops a little bit there but for the most part he he does his role just fine i feel like you know i don't feel like if he was omitted from the film the film would be better off i feel like it would be weaker because you need kind of that extra set of hands there you know just kind of both paying attention to Elizabeth's side, but also paying attention to Henry's side there. So I feel like uh, no uh, diss to John uh, Bowles, but I feel like he just wasn't given enough in the script and couldn't elevate it above what he was given Mm -hmm. there. And uh, one of the familiar faces that we do see is uh, Dr. Waldman, played by Edward Van Sloan, a.k.a. Van Helsing in Dracula. Mm -hmm. And so I thought his role was pretty interesting. Again, performance-wise, I feel like he plays it pretty straight. He does change it up a little bit from Van Helsing a little bit there, but he's still very much like an academic and a scholar there, and he kind of help set up the pieces of like you know oh yeah henry hasn't been here for a while uh he wanted bodies and uh we refused to give it to him so he went out just to do his own experiments there and he's kind of the voice of reason Mm -hmm. for henry's like manic state there and he's just like do you really think you should be toiling with this there because you know the others they kind of go to him and they're like you know oh you're crazy you know Mm -hmm. for doing it but you know with uh the professor coming in he has to kind of be like do you really think this is a good idea you know and speak to him both on an academic and a philosophical level Mm -hmm. which again adds interesting uh, conversation there but you also feel like you know he has to admire henry in a sense because he did pull up something that was a great accomplishment now whether that was right or wrong to be determined there but Mm -hmm. i think he does respect that he is also a scientist but also has to kind of pull him back down yeah and it's interesting because the the character he plays you can compare it really closely to the character he plays in dracula but like their their stances on science are like total opposite (laughs) you know what i mean like dracula guy's like hey like this is vampires and shit and people are like you sure it's vampires and shit he's like it's vampires and i got vampire (laughs) curse this guy he's like um yeah reanimating the dead sounds sussy don't do that (laughs) so like he has to be the the you know voice Mm -hmm. of reason which is interesting but i um i had a point and i just lost it never mind no forget me you're you're good um bring you back but yeah no no worries if if it comes up just let me know interrupt me there Mm -hmm. um I, I feel like even though his performance isn't, like, groundbreaking and strong, again, he's another important pillar mm-hmm. and does his job very well in Believable. So that way, 
You know, you feel like he was a former mentor to Henry there. Right. And is trying to reconcile there and try to meet him halfway. Because he could have easily just been constantly berating him. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're a monster. And he does a bit. He's just saying, like, I think what you did is really, really bad. Mm -hmm. But yeah. he tries to meet him from, like eye to eye and, and what i was gonna say yeah yeah not only is there that parody there of like they're both academics and so like other people might call them monsters but he just doesn't understand well this guy understands the science and everything and he's like no you're still doing something messed up um but what's important to remember is like in this time not not only just in the time of the when mary shelley was writing this novel in 1818 but also in, in um the, the the actual time that this movie came out like like, scientific ethics were, like, not a thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it was, like, people had morals. Don't get me wrong. People have always had morals. But, like, there wasn't, like, um, you know, a board of scientific ethics that kept people from doing shit like this. Like, yeah. really until, like, I don't know, after the Nazis did all their shit. Like, <laughs> like oh, hey, that was fucked up. Don't, we can't do that anymore. And really, it's it's evolved. I mean, there's there's been messed up experiments, um, you know, all, all, all the time. I mean, even just... I can think of several in the seventies even that were just like completely fucked up that were, were, were things that, you know, um, that by today's ethical standards you can't do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't be a professor and do that, you know what I mean? So, um, not only was it, you know, he he was no longer at the college and he was shunned for, you know, getting bodies and stuff, but like this that was perfectly within the realm of like things that someone would do in the eighteen hundreds, you know. Like somebody could probably try this. Um not that this is based on a true story or anything, but it was based off of, of, of popular science fiction of the time. So Mm hmm Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. Um it's just very yeah, very uh, controversial with its ethics there. And mm -hmm. I feel like, again, it just matches the whole tone of the movie perfectly. And I feel like, you know, again, like you and I, we, we've seen a lot of like gratuitous stuff in mm -hmm. films there, be it like violence or shocking or anything like that. But again, I, I will stand by the point for 1931, this film is truly shocking, which is yeah. why I can understand why they added that warning at the beginning of the film. There's like a disclaimer with a dude who stands up and he's like, what you're about to see will scare your little shit pants off. <laughs> Except for he says it like 1930s speak. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, and so, um, of course, like whenever I watch it the first time, I laugh because I'm like, oh, this mm -hmm. isn't shocking. But if I just take it to the consideration of the era and mm -hmm. everything, it's implying it is insane that they were able to make this film and so right. i think again um because they were able to do so much and again get so philosophical with their talk there i mm -hmm. think again it's just really really good stuff there so again yeah. um massive uh, kudos to edward van sloan for taking up the uh, doctor role once again mm -hmm. just more so on the side of science as opposed to the supernatural the character i like the side character i like was the baron yes baron frankenstein mm -hmm. played by frederick Kerr. uh it's so funny because the first time i watched it i just always like okay he he's the dad you know whatever but it's just the small things he does and just mm -hmm. how he is such a dad. Yeah, he's just the quirky dad, you know. He's like, oh, wow, my son, and I know what's best, and man, I'm going to make dad jokes all the time. Yeah, and it's just so funny because he's so grumpy about the whole thing because the wedding's being put off because Henry is focusing on his experiments there, and then he's like, you know what the experiments are? A woman. <laughs> and I'm going to find her. I'll show him experiments. Experiment um, in the bedroom, you fool. And again, that's just another kind of small 
role that is heightened because he is kind of the comedic relief mm -hmm. there uh, intentionally comedic relief there's right. definitely some goofy moments a lot of the characters do that is pretty funny but they're unintentional but that's one that he is very funny and again also surprisingly is a character that is well used in the film you don't feel mm -hmm. like he's just there to like oh i'm here to tell a joke and then right. waddle out there because again he's just like nope i've had it i'm, I'm grabbing henry this is ridiculous this mm -hmm. has been dragged on for too long because he's really excited about this wedding coming up yeah. and the fact that he's finally settling down and so he's like <laughs> he, he's making damn sure his son's gonna get married yeah absolutely because yeah in a lot of horror movies i mean if you just think of the comic relief character in any popular horror movie that pops into your head they're usually just like the some sidekick that's along for the ride they don't really have agency with the story or the plot or anything they're just the guy that's like hey goofy remark and then they get stabbed or whatever <laughs> um yeah i mean he 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 kind of guides the story. He brings people places. He's he's a he's one of the most powerful men in town, and he's mm -hmm. like, yeah, oh, this is happening. We're doing the wedding now, and you know, I'm gonna go get my son, and yeah. And he, but he's like funny the whole time. But. Yeah, so I, I thought he was a fun inclusion and one that I've come to appreciate more with subsequent rewatches. There, just whenever mm -hmm. you get the little like more nuanced things and the things that aren't obviously like in your face there. So right. I, th I, I really loved his character as well. I thought he was a great character, super fun to watch. And again, just help the story along. And um, finally, I'll probably mention this because there are a lot of actors in this film. That's another thing that's surprising, just like huge crowds and everything yeah, there. Yeah. But it's, and we're starting to get towards the like, there's a few characters that you see like pop up a couple of times there, like uh, the Burgomaster yeah. there, like the mayor of the town, Lionel Belmore, which I feel like he, he's given like three minutes of screen time, something like that yeah, there. Maybe even a little less. Yeah. yeah, a little less there. But again, he just does his job fine because he's supposed to be like the mayor of the town. And he's a good example mm -hmm. of like what you do with a character that's just an annoying dip. Yeah, yes. You, you give him less than three minutes. Of yes. And he's also introduced by the other comedic relief character who's kind of a dip being like, <laughs> this guy's fucking worthless. Mm -hmm. And then he walks in, he's like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, so um, and it, like no diss to Lionel Belmore who played him. He did his job well. Yeah. He did what he needed to. It's just, again, just for the sake of the story, he just wasn't given a lot of time right. to shine there Bit of a um, but i will mention one of the final characters that does play a bigger role was also in the previous film and i honestly didn't realize it was the same actor until today Is that it, are you talking about fritz yeah fritz who was he in dracula uh he was renfield really yes dwight fry yes I, okay I, well that makes I me see feel better but yeah, i did not recognize because he looks and acts different mm -hmm. which again is just major kudos to dwight fry who again was just able just to really play his performance because again he and the interesting thing is that his character's name is fritz as mm -hmm. opposed to igor as you're probably used to hearing yeah a i was, lot of I the was time. expecting him to be igor i was like is there gonna be igor in this movie mm -hmm. and i was wondering that because like it, I, that that assistant character doesn't exist at all in the book right mm -mm. yeah nope. okay Nope, he does not. It was made specifically for this movie here. So mm -hmm. it kind of begs the question of where Igor comes into play. And so a lot of people think it comes from the third film, Son of Frankenstein, that they made. Oh. Because there's a character introduced as Igor played by Bella Lugosi. 
Oh. Yeah, so that's a potentially a film that we'll see in the future there. Hopefully so. That'd see, be I a always, fun one. Because I, I, you know, I haven't seen any of the like official Frankenstein movies or anything, but mm-hmm. I've seen um, the, the Mel Brooks movie, uh, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, and that's, that's a really fun movie. That's probably my favorite Mel Brooks movie. Mm-hmm. But it also has a lot of allusions to... Uh, at the very least, the first three Frankenstein films mm-hmm. there. So it's very uh, interesting that that was kind of your first Frankenstein. Yeah, so that's like um, when I think of Igor. That's the Igor I think of because I saw that probably when I was in high school. But I mean, to be fair, he does a great job in yeah. that film. <laughs> Pronounce Igor. <laughs> Igor. Yeah. So yeah, that and that's another film I can ramble on and on about mm-hmm. there. But I'll try to stick to just this film solely. So with uh, Fritz, I I feel like again it's one of those things that uh, Dwight does his job very well but i don't think the script gave him as much to work with Mm -hmm. as opposed to dracula where he's given so much stuff to do and say and work with and just really sell it and so again he doesn't like undersell it but my biggest issue is the fact that they just well i i say it's the biggest issue but then i start thinking about it on a deep Mm -hmm. level is the fact that you know He's pretty subservient to Dr. Frankenstein, you know, yeah. makes sense and everything. But whenever it comes to him interacting with the monster, mm-hmm. he himself becomes a monster there. I, I love Fritz's character. And, mm-hmm. you know, just knowing that he's not involved in the novel is, is crazy to me. Just because mm-hmm. of how pivotal I feel like he plays, a part mm-hmm. that he plays in this. I guess we could probably go more into in just about this in spoilers. But, yeah, just the way he treats yeah. um, well, the monster. And that was the interesting thing is like at first I look at it and I'm like, oh, well, he seems pretty one note. But then if you think about it on a deeper level, right. like, you know, you just dig in, then you start to realize, oh, there's a lot more to this right. role than he's, meets the eye. He's a servant of, you know, and he sort of views very highly Dr. Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's given a purpose from Dr. Frankenstein. And then he creates this being that's his new baby. And so, of course, there's a little bit of jealousy. But then there's also like, oh, he doesn't even talk. I'm better than him, you know. And so he's he's beating him and he, he feels he feels uh you know like he's higher in the pecking order and he wants to cement that um but just that very attitude and just childish mm-hmm. nature just it just ensures to the audience that he is lower than this dead body that was animated mm-hmm. you know man no, that those are other good points i didn't even think of i i have my own thoughts whenever it comes to it there but mm-hmm. it's like one of those mixed things that i feel like again like when it comes to the purpose of Fritz, mm-hmm. I feel like it's ingenious and done well. It's just one of those things that, you know, it's just weird seeing Dwight come from this role where he was just, like, literally eating up the scene. And just, mm-hmm. he was the MVP of that film. Just to kind of almost be to the background in this one. And so it's just such a strange dynamic. And I feel like Dwight does the character well. Because, mm-hmm. again, it's just a subservient thing. Uh, not the smartest uh, mm-hmm. tool in the shed by enemies of the word there. Yeah. Um, I, I think he did really well. I really liked mm-hmm. all the scenes that he was like a focal part of. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel like he pulled it off with it. He wasn't trying to ham it up as much as he was in, in, in Dracula. but And I think that definitely would have uh, made a lot of the scenes a lot more goofy and as mm-hmm. opposed to intense there. So I'm glad he did reel it back, which right. again, probably just shows his acting chops there. Yeah, that. I agree. Because I, 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 I mean, I'm used to like Igor, who like is sort of the goofy idea of yes. this assistant. And so I actually really like Fritz because that's kind of what I expected going in. Mm-hmm. And I was pleasantly surprised that he was like just, he was a regular character who was obviously 
you know, he's he he's strange by comparison because he's disabled, but he doesn't do the like the representation of a disabled character a disservice, mm-hmm. which I would have thought. You know, like he would be the butt yeah. of the joke because it's a movie about it, and he's like yeah. the disabled assistant in the '30s. But uh, no, I mean, he's like a real character with real thoughts and and a complicated uh, emotions. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was cool. That... Yeah, and also he he busted his buns getting them body parks there. He yeah, had to yeah. crawl everywhere. <laughs> And the thing I do like is the fact that also whenever it came to the heavy labor, a lot of it did fall on Fritz to mm-hmm. complete there. But Henry also was willing to get down and dirty there because, right, again, right. whenever they steal that uh, first body, which that's one heck of an opening. That mm-hmm. That's one thing I have to talk about is like the way this film opens yeah. with the funeral and then them leaving. And then once the gravedigger is finishing you know, just smoothing the soil over the plot there mm-hmm. uh, that Henry and Fritz move in to start digging the body there. Yeah. And again, it, it's just such a strong image. It really sets the scene for the whole movie, not just plot wise, obviously they got to get the body parts, not just thematically because yes, it's dark and drooling and it's, you know, it's, there's rain coming down and everything, but also like it sets the primary motif of like a funeral is very much like a sending a body to God, like a, like a, you know, we're, we're ex- expanding the barrier. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a sort of, um, it's not only a ceremony about death, but it's about afterlife. You know what I mean? To put them in a coffin and to say the prayers and there's all this religious iconography in the, in the graveyard with crosses and gravestones mm-hmm. and such and to have that sort of be the beginning for this journey of a guy who's trying to you know become god defy god however you want to put it um i think is just really appropriate without without you know banging you over the head with it holy cow i'm really glad to have you <laughs> on this podcast god dang because you just elevated it above even more and it helps me kind of add my pieces because one of i mean and that's one thing i'll talk about but another thing i love the set pieces the Mm. set pieces are gorgeous where i feel like dracula you know there's a couple good set pieces i feel like all these set pieces are amazing in frankenstein and so in that grave scene whenever they're digging i love the ominous statue in the background of the grim reaper there which again you're talking about sending to heaven there Mm -hmm. and again like Henry's whole view that you hear him speak throughout the film is like, you know, the body's not dead. It is merely resting. It has not lived mm-hmm. life yet. Mm-hmm. And so, again, he, and I just love the way that he just constantly says that. He just right. never refers to it because like he's in like, his mind, he's intercepting the body in the pathway from this earth to the next. You know what I mean? He doesn't really reference it as alive mm-hmm. until he shocks it with lightning and then he's like, it's alive, it's alive. But he's really careful to correct everybody. It's not dead. Yeah, merely resting Mm -hmm. there. And I I just love, again, just how shocking, because you have Henry, like, breaking his, well, I wouldn't say breaking his own morals. You don't know where his morals lie, but Mm -hmm. him just breaking moral boundaries, I will say, Mm -hmm. because he's digging up graves of uh, people that were just buried, also grabbing bodies of uh, people who were hung Mm -hmm. there. And so going through and not only that but um going in to steal a brain from his school that he attended and so it's just like 
how much he's willing to cross lines of boundaries just to complete his goal mm -hmm. there. Because again, whenever you get obsessed about something, you tend to get tunnel vision and just ignore anything. You're like, no matter what right. the cost, I'm going to make this happen here. And so I think it just helps really, again, establish the whole tone and mood of the film. And I think it's just one hell of a mood for that, for sure. Right. Um, right. But uh, I and I'm I'm really struggling to not talk more about the plot because I don't mm -hmm. want to spoil it. So I'll, I'll again talk about like the settings there. Um, I I thought all of the settings were interesting yeah. from the uh, like little castle tower that uh, Henry is staying at, conducting all of his experiments yeah, there. Well, the abandoned windmill is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love that. Just the insides of like the guts of the windmill that they're constantly in. You see the stone and the and the the wood pieces and later on you get to see the actual mill and like a actually pretty pivotal scene you know um you get to see the gears the insides of what turns the the mill and so I, yeah I, I i love that little building there mm -hmm. and i i just i don't think i realize it was it the same building or two different buildings no it was there. the same building even um even the baron is like What's he doing up there in that abandoned windmill when he had such a perfectly nice home and, you know, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's so funny. I never realized it because we never get to see, like, the um, the fan part yeah, they of don't, the windmill. Yeah, they don't show it till the very, like, till the end where they actually show the windmill, you know what I mean? But whenever, but all that stuff in the beginning is in that mm -hmm. same structure. And you can tell because, like, whenever they enter the windmill again... There's a part with the monster, and he like go, passes by that room that he was locked in, and he's like, and, he, mm -hmm. and then he goes back up. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I, I never noticed it was the same building. I always assumed that it was just two different buildings mm -hmm. there, but um, it wouldn't make sense because they were both in the mountains there. So yeah, 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 that lines up. So the more you know about that, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like and there's just so much great stuff to it again like because we even mentioned like seeing the gears of the windmill later mm -hmm. on there like we'll we'll talk more about it in the spoilers for sure but it just allows for great set pieces even the more mundane set pieces feel more grand in scope because again mm -hmm. you're at you know baron frankenstein's house which is a mansion and it's like well decorated there mm -hmm. and it felt like it had a lot of history and character to it as opposed right. to the sanatorium like residence they were staying mm -hmm. at which again it looked nice but it was more pale by comparison which is why it always shocks me that this was in the same year as dracula mm -hmm. there well this just mm -hmm. seems so much more like so much more care and time and effort went into it compared to dracula i don't know mm -hmm. that that's the truth but that's just how it appears to mm -hmm. me that this seems much more like a finished product whereas yeah, like we talked with Dracula, and it was it sounds like there's just large portions that are silent and stuff. Like like they hadn't like that like it was the first draft they put out, but this feels like you know something they really worked on, and this is okay. This is the perfect version we can send out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think James Whale um, had a lot to do with how detailed and like well polished this whole film was because mm -hmm. he was very passionate about the story he wanted to tell. Right, and so. Uh, again just seeing kind of like these set pieces even just the outside settings mm -hmm. and the village itself and how yeah, bustling it is it's just cute german village yeah yeah so good it's just so good and you just eat up the scenery and i feel like there's never a moment where i'm like oh okay this is fine i felt mm -hmm. like every setting was appropriately created and that also leads me to another thing that 
oh, I, I love about this film. Mm -hmm. The lighting. The lighting yeah. is so well implemented there mm -hmm. and just allows for great shadow angles there, whether it's the monster casting it mm -hmm. inside the building there. Again, whenever they're trying to see how the monster reacts to sunlight and everything, just mm -hmm. so many lights casting shadows uh, throughout the whole uh, laboratory and right. everything there. And that's pretty yeah. crucial to the story, too. I mean, even whenever he's creating the monster in the beginning, he, he's saying to the professor, like, you taught me about ultraviolet and microwave lights or whatever, but I discovered a new ray, you know? Yeah. So, like, the whole, um, I mean, light is pretty central to the monster and how it's it, it, it was created in the first place um which of course light is also you know often um um correlated with the presence of god or whatever holy light mm -hmm. and stuff so it, you know it's, it's those really subtle things that you can start to dig into and go like oh i see what they were doing there <laughs> but it's not like it's not something mm -hmm. you have to you know it's not something they, they spend all day pontificating about and, mm -hmm. you know giving you all this exposition but you know it's yeah it's really cool that that's one of the first scenes with the monster is like being shown the light of god or whatever being yeah. shown this this intensity and him being like ooh, you know you need reaching up towards it you know and then they shut it off from him like mm -hmm. no more no more light for you yeah it's it's just it's so well done like i just love how they took the care with uh a lot of these I, I guess you would call them like effects there yeah. but like the lighting is just perfect and the special effects you know it is minimal but a mm -hmm. lot of them aside from a few instances right. there are pretty well done I would say um, I especially love the lab equipment how it's like all this electricity which is probably was very new at the time there so I'm sure it even shocked audiences mm -hmm. watching you know the technology go up which now we kind of grew up you know we we all had that lamp where it looked like electricity was inside the ball and you mm -hmm. place your hand right. there but like at the time it's just like groundbreaking and mesmerizing there so i imagine that whole scene was like kind of crazy but mm -hmm. i found a lot more interest in a lot of the lesser scenes because like for instance uh whenever uh elizabeth and victor and the doctor are going to see Henry, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're knocking at the door, it's pouring down rain, and it pans up to the window, and you see uh, Henry there, but it's not like one of those things where they, they could have easily just created, like, a facade there, but again, they, like, blend it in and kind of do, like, a green screen effect through the window there, mm -hmm. and just have it cast through there, because, again, it probably was a lot cheaper than actually building a huge set piece to do that yeah they also did the same thing whenever they're showing fritz trying to prepare for like the storm about to happen mm -hmm. and he's on top of the structure there mm -hmm. and you know unfortunately this is like one of those things like with older copies i never noticed this but with the 4k i saw like the little like rectangle where they added the green screen so they could add fritz working on it there <laughs> yeah, yeah um but I, you, there's like a, in the, some one of the chase scenes at the end you could tell that they're like the background is a big curtain you can see the wrinkles yes it. yeah which and i imagine is probably just because we're watching the 4k and probably original audiences might not but it will tell the wrinkles in the curtain but yeah. yeah just like with how like you know not as pristine as quality is so it's definitely kind of like the, the problem with 4k is that i love that we're able to get this clean of a copy mm -hmm. but it also does show a lot more of the uh strings if you will yeah. of this film but it doesn't hurt it for me in the slightest because a lot of times whenever you do notice stuff it's usually during the climax there's only really um one specific effect i can think of towards the end of the film that is pretty laughable 
involved a fall. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's that one, one I was thinking too. Yeah, but even like, and it does pull you out a little bit, but even then, it's like so quick and right. just you know there and, like, and gone. Yeah, and I could nitpick stuff about that too. Like I could, yeah, because that that there is a couple moments like that, mm-hmm. specifically involving like stunts, I guess, that were pretty mm-hmm. poorly done, and you could point to like well buster keaton you know or whatever. yeah like, you know like these like, like people are doing stunts and making them look really cool at that same time um but you know i i i don't expect that from everyone um in, in to in people that were making films these days but. right and that's the other thing that i find so interesting because in the last episode we talked so much about dracula and how there could have been so many cool moments to do special effects and everything mm-hmm. kind of like nosferatu did right and that's why again the other thing is is that i feel like frankenstein does all the special effects yeah. it needs to there yeah. and you know again whether it's well done or not to be determined but you felt like they did the best they could given the fact that it was 1931 so again i feel like it's just heightened to an immense level Mm -hmm. there i Um, really do think most of the effects i mean stand up pretty well mm -hmm. no they do and one of the other things i have to like go on and on about is um the makeup for especially the monster yeah like just how they made it look like actual scars like he looks like he was stitched together piece by piece it looks like he has that like played in his head and yeah Mm -hmm. like and uh it's just so well done and everything and so jack pierce is the uh makeup effects artist who did it and he was very very prestigious there and uh was uh pretty much the go-to guy for makeup for a long Mm. time unfortunately he ended up kind of getting phased out because it's one of those tales that even though makeup technology was advancing and there were quicker different ways to do it he was still kind of stuck in the old ways so Mm. he kind of got phased out because of it there Mm -hmm. but i mean his work here just stands perfectly and again he really helps transform uh Boris Karloff into looking like something abnormal there and I love that they especially made the intentional touch with the costuming of just keeping the jacket short there Mm -hmm. because again he is just like this you know monstrous being he's not just like a regular human body he's like all these body parts sewn together there and so you're able to see the scars and again all that stuff and it's uh yeah it's really crazy and uh Another thing, I love the costumes. I think all the costumes are on point there. That's just mm-hmm. another small thing. But especially I notice it with uh, Frankenstein's monster. Just Even though he's dressed in all black, I just feel like it just works so well for the character of the monster. Yeah, especially because like, yeah, I think pop culture or Frankenstein, I think he's wearing like purple and t- torn up things or yeah. something. I don't know where that came from. And then he's all green and like, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's wearing like a pretty simple, common dress that it made it looks like he was dug up in that outfit, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, yeah, I think, I think it works really well too. Yeah, and again, it just, you know... It's just that whenever I view this film, there's just so many things that I'm just like, oh, that's really good. Oh, that's really good. Oh, that's really good there. And, of course, there's uh, things that you can definitely nitpick at there. I think there's always something you can nitpick Mm -hmm. at. It just kind of is up to you as the viewer on how much that impacts you and your viewing experience. But, like, I love the fact that, again, we get to see, you know, Henry Frankenstein in 
you know, his mad scientist outfit. And again, it's more like a surgeon gown than anything there, as opposed to kind of kooky mad scientist, you know, party city outfit that you see a lot of the time there. Mm -hmm. You just see him like that, but he still looks crazy and manic. And again, you know, they added bags underneath his eyes to make him really look like he's just has deprived himself of any nutrition just because he's been so focused on his work there. And then later on, you know, once he kind of, has to like calm down um you see him look a lot more healthy and he's dressed up nicely mm-hmm. and everything it has a different demeanor again which I, I feel like i'm dissecting everything before getting to spoilers there but there's just a lot to admire with this film i believe yeah um any other points you wanted to hit on uh, the only thing i would probably hit on is i feel like the music even though it's very sparse um it's, it's done pretty good because you hear, like, you know, the intro music, outro music, and the festival music there. Mm, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's good. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things that's sort of, yeah, largely blinked in with the environment um, mm-hmm. when it's there at all. And so it's not like... Um, yeah, I, I feel like it. I feel like it does a good job, but at the same time, I couldn't tell you what like the Frankenstein theme was off the top of my head, which I don't think you need to, you know, for mm-hmm. for a film like this. It's really more environmental, ambient kind of. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just. I was just thinking about like the old Marvel movies before before like you can think of the Avengers theme now, but way yeah. before the Avengers came out, like all the Marvel movies that were coming out did not have any, you couldn't, they didn't have music you could recognize. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know they tried to do just the Iron Man song for Iron Man, but that was the only reason why you knew it is because it was already a pre-established song. Right. Right. Um, so like all the mm-hmm. orchestral music that they pumped into those things, it just gave it no identity and they kind of mm-hmm. learned their lesson and was like, Oh, now here's an identifier. So now, whatever you hear you know like gives you like a mood or whatever Mm -hmm. you're like oh okay um i don't think frankenstein needs that but that's just what it reminds Mm -hmm. me yep and i I, i've seen it quite a bit that i do recognize the theme but i also know exactly where you're coming Mm -hmm. from there where it's not it doesn't stand out quite as strong as say like dracula or even Mm -hmm. um young frankenstein yeah yeah there but that's like no big detriment to it it's just one of those things that you know again uh, if you watched it a couple more times, you might pick up on it a mm-hmm. little bit more there, but I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you don't got anything else, we can uh, talk about ratings. Yeah, yeah, we can rate it. Okay. Um, yeah, I give this movie a dark and spooky nine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I really like this movie. I feel like it's executed really well. You've heard me already ramble and rave about like the depth and complexity that I think is there in the characters, the themes, um, the, the, just the lighting, the environments, everything. I felt like this was a really well-crafted movie. Um, I hesitate to give it a 10. I, I don't think it quite reaches perfection, even by 1930s standards. Um just because of little things like that where it's like well i wouldn't feel in good conscience giving this a 10 because the stunts could be better there are some effects that are cheesy there are there's a little lull every now and then um but overall i mean yeah those are just little nitpicks that that shave some some points off the top but um overall i mean i felt like this was a really 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 well crafted movie um even beyond its source material because yeah frankenstein is a really good book obviously and it's a it's a classic that's been um in our present uh, front and center in our uh, uh literary education for a long time um but but 
it obviously it kind of steers away from um, the original source material pretty dramatically from what I understand. Again, I haven't mm-hmm. read it, but I, I know enough about the plot of the book to know that that's not how this and this yeah. happened, you know? <laughs> um, but still, um, a really good interpretation with characters like, I, I mean, I love Fritz and he didn't even exist at all. And I feel like that completely changes the reason <laughs> things happen. Um and, and makes for a really good tale. So I have a lot of praise for this film. Yeah, it's a, it's a 9 out of 10 for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's a totally fair rating. And again, watching it again, um, I had previously also rated it a 9. But mm-hmm. after watching it this time and just really kind of really taking in, you know, again, all of the previous rewatches I did. Mm-hmm. For me, this film, as you could probably imagine, it's it's a near 10. Mm-hmm. It's like right on the precipice there. I don't think like, because again, that's, that's the other thing, you know, again, I talk about is like, I noticed a lot of the weaker points mm-hmm. there. And so it's like one of those things I'm like, uh, can I really rate it a 10 mm-hmm. there again? Because it's like enjoyment wise, obviously 10, but critical wise, it's like, right 9.5 like super close to a 10 mm-hmm. it's just i don't think uh I, again like perhaps maybe over time and stuff i might just be like oh what the hey 10 out of 10 there mm-hmm. but like it's right heck hell i could give it like a 9.9 even i don't think it quite reaches the shining level to mm-hmm. where i feel like the shining is just its own thing there and i just feel like it's just untouchable right there uh but it gets really close it's mm-hmm. super close and so like if i was to rate it 10 out of 10 i'd be comfy with it there but realistically just like 9.5 split the difference there yeah. i just think it's it's a strong film and again for a film that's like you know over 90 years old for it to hold up this well still in almost every aspect is just a feat on its own and just again how provocative and you know just engrossing this tale is i think is a major accomplishment uh james whale uh was able to grab so uh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that'd be my rating too so uh we both highly highly recommend it so uh please if you have not ever seen frankenstein uh please I, I, you know, I encourage you to stop listening. This is probably the first time I'm like, no, please stop listening. Go watch the movie. But I mean, obviously you don't care about spoilers. Then I I warned you. I I warned you. (laughs) This is a reference to the beginning of the movie. Whenever he says, (laughs) I warned you. Yes. Yeah. See, you got on, you got on here. See? Uh, So we're going to be talking about spoilers. So why don't you have the uh, first opportunity to dissect this first spoiler here? Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I do think it's interesting. I think the biggest spoiler probably is the 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 end. How it ends is is he he gets burnt to death in a windmill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then the the monster does, uh, which I think is just you know poetic and and awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know Victor. Or not Victor in this one. Henry Frankenstein uh, uh, survives his fall and is like in bed. And then they have like a weird scene with the Baron and the wine. And 
that was that was i couldn't quite mention that in the mm. not spoilers part but yes. that's the way it ends sucks so like yes I, that's my most number one thing that, that that knocked off a full point for me but you, you know what i completely understand and james whale understands because <laughs> he did not want to end the film that way really yeah studio interfered with him because initially again spoilers were in spoilers he wanted henry to die uh, that's what that's the ending i was gonna pitch that would have been a lot better if his henry died there with his monster it would have made so much more sense yeah but uh the studio was like no we're not gonna let you kill him <sighs> you know we need a happy ending there Fuck and then plus you know sequel potential <laughs> yeah that's so stupid yeah so that that's one of the things because james whale did want to kill henry there mm -hmm. which i think because all right this is also spoilers for the book because you already know how the book ends yeah, there yeah. because also in the book victor dies right there um and so that it's one of those things that i feel like in the book it's done well here i think like it's fine mm -hmm. I, I i feel in like i feel uncertain of how i would feel if they would end with him dying i i feel like it would be kind of poetic there because you know mm -hmm. he goes down with his creation it would it made, yeah. it's like it's like the ending that would have made sense with the film as well so i can tell that that's what mm -hmm. james well wanted to do because i mean elizabeth even has this foreboding sense of like like i don't something's wrong and is when the monster escapes or whatever and she's like and, and you know and she's worried specifically about henry's life like he's going to die mm -hmm. um and he's like nonsense and he locks her in that room and then you get the dramatic tension of like well the monster gets in the room with her and like which is an awesome scene mm -hmm. um and like she's the one whose life is threatened all of a sudden so you think that's how it's gonna go she ends up being fine and then henry ends up being like one-on-one -on -one with the monster at the end of the movie and mm -hmm. you're like this is what she was worried about he's going to die here and it would have just put a perfect little bow mm -hmm. on it if he did but um, yeah i i think like if the film had ended with him dying i would be fine i don't th because again it is just it is a bit of a sappy ending there because it shows like all the mains being like you know it's baron just... frankenstein we brought his great grandmother's wine to drink and he's like mm -hmm. he won't be drinking that to the house of frankenstein yeah which is just yeah. a stupid way to end it because mm -hmm. it's like the whole movie was like moody and grappling with these themes and everything mm -hmm. and then and then the end is just like well he's fine and it's like they just put in a whole scene to tell you it's fine yeah. you know what I mean? it didn't feel like a true resolution it did feel like a band-aid like he's mm -hmm. not we're not going to show somebody dying on film that's the main character that mm -hmm. would be a sad ending so it's yeah. happy guys go home happy yeah and it just kind of betrayed the uh initial feeling of the film like i don't think it yeah. ruined the film for me by any stance it was just i just felt like it was a poor ending literally just that last scene because i feel like the window mm. and everything else was great yes it's just literally that mm -hmm. last scene that I was like, that was kind of just like a sudden dip, you know? Yeah. If, if I was to play, like, I'm the director of this film, mm -hmm. if I was to keep Henry alive, I would at least show uh, at the end there where it's just like, you know, is he okay? He's like, he's still breathing. We need to get him to a hospital there. And then yeah. end with, like, the windmill burning, fade to black there, you know? Yeah. Just something with that because right. I feel like – that is such a climactic high because right. the tensions are high. The mob is there. The windmill's on fire. Mm -hmm. Everything's going crazy. And then you just kind of mitigate all that by just having a regular scene with the maids and then, you know, yeah. his dad. It just feels like it just kind of 
sucks all of the tension yes. and just the oh my gosh what did I just watch no I perfectly I think mm-hmm. a, I think a perfect way to, to keep him alive for sequels and whatever and not betray the otherwise integrity of the film is yeah for him to like maybe wake up just enough to say some fucking philosophical dumb quote he could you could say part of that Milton quote in the beginning of the novel and it would be perfect or whatever he could yeah. just like say some you know like uh, that, that acknowledges that he uh, made a mistake creating something or that he sees himself in there. There's a million things you could write that would be interesting and it just, mm-hmm. you know, give a last punch to the end of the film and the audience something to go home and think about. Yeah, but. so I, I, I agree with you in the fact that I do think the ending is weak and that's one of the many chips, I would say, mm-hmm. that I see in this flawless statue of a film right. there. That's why that kind of keeps me from going like, mm, here's a 10, I right. can't, yeah. you know. I, yeah, I so can't with I, I just idea. feel like like the struggle in between there but i'm willing to give it the 0.5 at the very least there um mm-hmm. but yes i i would highly agree with you that that final scene just sucks all of the tension out which i'm sure was you know james well had to do it because they're like studio's like no we really need the audience to be okay there mm-hmm. and i feel like i'm not sure if like by him making that sacrifice, that's why he was able to do as many things as he was throughout the film, possibly. Mm-hmm. But either way, it definitely does suck. And I'm just glad that I was able to provide that trivia research that, don't worry, James Well was also unhappy yeah. with there. Well, and he also didn't want any sequels mm-hmm. from this film. That's why yeah, he's like, It doesn't dead. make sense for there to mm-hmm. be a sequel either, but yeah. Yeah, which, uh, you know, perhaps in the future we can view some of the sequels uh later on there but mm. you know to be determined of course right. um but yeah i i think that's definitely um one of the strong things yeah. we can talk about is just that ending uh mm. but i do kind of want to talk about the stuff that leads up yeah, to yeah. the windmill there the too, um because really. uh, i'll go ahead and talk about fritz because yeah. that's one of the things i find interesting is the fact that you don't feel like he has any sort of malice towards Henry there. Like he's just willing no. to do whatever there and go through. But again, you're not give the re the viewer is not given a lot of and like a lot of directly delivered information about Fritz, right. but there's a lot of inferring you can do mm-hmm. whenever it comes to Fritz. Cause again, if you look at it at a surface level, you know, whenever the creature created, you just see Fritz being an asshole to the monster there. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, they don't explain like, Oh, he just feels inferior or, right. you know, but I feel like it's very important like it's very interesting to see how much you can infer through that because i was thinking there because that was the thing like whenever i watched it through the first time i'm just like man he's just kind of being a jerk Mm -hmm. for no reason but if you just start to kind of maybe perhaps see his point of view because again fritz is you know hunchbacked deformed he still gets around pretty well but definitely would be seen especially at the time as a lesser human being there right and he's he's also kind of like probably seeing himself a little bit in the monster right yes yeah yeah because he's Mm -hmm. probably been considered monstrous by some for being hunchbacked Mm -hmm. and, and, and weird looking and again, he could also hate that, but mm-hmm. he could, you know, also just feel superior because, again, mm-hmm. he's like higher on the picking order there because right. he's like, you're just a stupid monster, like a stupid animal. Because, again, right. a lot of times whenever, you know, these people are horribly uh, deformed or heck, they don't even have to be deformed. They could mm-hmm. just be messed up in the head, but they just pick on others just 
if they feel like they're powerless. I mean, we right. saw that with like Henry Bowers in mm-hmm. the uh, It film. Right. There where, you know, again, he's so subservient and following. And again, you don't feel like he's ever treated disrespectfully by Henry, but you know the only reason Henry chose him is because nobody else would help him with these uh, awful experiments. Right. There. And so I think him being bad does give uh insight as to his character potentially but it also sets the creature on an important path because again whenever the creature is first brought to life there you do see that henry which he he's very strict and deliberate there with his work there tries to calmly talk to him and try to like nurture him he's like come to me Mm -hmm. sit down right and he doesn't say it with like you know i'm your master sid he's just trying to help learn and so he does get a little bit of that nurturing side there but he also gets a lot of the like hate and harsh reality that humanity has because again the whole big question especially that you get from the book there is like you know is he the monster or is humanity the monster right there so i think that also just serves as a good point because again you know frankenstein whenever he does these actions there he does it a lot of times because he's confused scared Mm -hmm. uh and just doesn't understand because they also and this is kind of makes me curious about it is the fact that you know whenever fritz goes into the academy to take the brain Mm -hmm. uh he takes the normal brain and drops it right uh, but then he takes the abnormal brain so it makes me curious on how much that abnormality affected And there's not mm-hmm. only the question of that, but how much, you know, Dr. Frankenstein and the other professor think that it affects the monster, right? Because mm-hmm. that's sort of a pivotal point, too, where he says, like, it's a perfectly normal brain. I stole it from your institution. This is after they make the monster and he's alive and he, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then the doctor says, well, like, the, the brain that was stolen from our college was that of a criminal. And you could see, like, it, it hit Dr. Frankenstein's face turn and he's like, well, it's just a bunch of tissue. It shouldn't matter. You know what I mean? But I think that's the crucial point where he stops seeing Frankenstein as, um, you know, like a creed up blank slate that could be made good. Um, and instead he's like, oh, there might be a fatal flaw in this. And then, you know, he starts treating him differently after that. Um, oh, holy cow. You're, you're starting to inch it up to 9.75 for me <laughs> thinking about it. I'm just like, there's just so many good intricacies to right. that. Because, again, it does cause a bit of self-doubt because mm-hmm. he's like, nonsense. I've created the perfect human being. He mm-hmm. even revels on how perfect it is. Right, right. He's like, I did such a great job. And then he's like, well, there's a little flaw in your plan. And he's like, oh, shit. Um, and that just coincides it layers perfectly on top of. Well, yes, he's Frankenstein's monster is now learning about the world, and his teacher is is Fritz. You know what I mean? Fritz yeah. is teaching him that it's a cruel world full of fire and whips and trauma. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that you have to defend yourself. Whereas previously, you know, when you see him hold his hands up to the light, and then later you see him get encountered by you know the symbol of innocence, Maria, showing him you know about flowers and stuff, and you see that he's a nice guy. He he he's loving and caring. And he um, responds to what is given to him. And really, Maria's death is an accident. And that's mm-hmm. what sets him off on the rampage through the countryside is people you know, attacking him for being a murderer. But Yeah, and that's also just um, a great scene. And again, it is... It's silly, mm-hmm. but it's also very uh, traumatic yeah. as well there. Well, so I a, think, yeah. It's a real of mice and many, you know what I mean? Yeah, de- definitely of mice and men tone for sure mm-hmm. whenever it comes to it. So I think it definitely uh, 
has major um it it just it, it's just a wonderful beautiful scene there and i i just i'm going to try to keep from skipping around because there's like mm-hmm. oh yeah there's also that good scene right, right. um but one of the other interesting things that i love that boris did is whenever he's staring at the sun because you know um henry is trying to show how he reacts to light and everything mm-hmm. that he starts to almost get angry and like shaking his fist there he's like oh close the window close the window close the window right there because um, he's been kept in the dark mm-hmm. for days like literally in the dark mm-hmm. um i just think it's great and i do think that you know again fritz kind of just being kind of cruel and again him dying that henry is torn about it because he doesn't immediately view it as like you know oh you're a monster he's just saying well yeah fritz was kind of acting like a jerkwad towards Mm -hmm. him so it's it's kind of not surprising but also at the same point we can't have him going around killing people right and so whenever again the other people step in uh you know they're trying to subdue him and tranquilize him which Mm -hmm. again just adds more of that confusion of just like okay they're trying to stop me they're trying to hurt me right again as well because you don't get a lot of that nurturing moments mm-hmm. there that help kind of and i think one of the great contexts because mm-hmm. i know because they added in this fritz character for this movie which is mm-hmm. in the 1930s and this is actually uh, an important time in psychology i mean a little bit afterwards but i feel like this is still part of the the conversation now where like like Freud like Sigmund Freud was really popular and like uh and and the concepts of nature and nurture I mean Freud was pretty groundbreaking in like as as um like things that happen to you as babies like affects how you act now which was not something that was previously explored now we know all kinds about we have terms like aces and paces and traumatic childhood experiences you know aces being adverse childhood experiences um and how those affect psychology today and that's still you know a lot of things that we're exploring now but like like that was pretty groundbreaking at the time to think that uh the nature versus nurture debate and really i mean the nature versus nurture debate was also present during uh mary shelley writing frankenstein because i mean with thomas jefferson and and benjamin franklin were arguing <laughs> about it I, I can't remember which one's which but one of them said like uh, i think it was benjamin franklin was like give me a baby any baby from a poor family and let me raise it and it will be a doctor and thomas jefferson was like no poor people are stupid and then whenever <laughs> they grow up uh they could not ever possibly be a doctor the reason that we're successful is because we have good genes or whatever um, that's that's also the plot of trading places yeah <laughs> It's also the plot of the eugenics movement, which was also popular in the 1920s in America. Um, actually, it was really popular um, up until about the 40s, whenever mm. Germany went a little too far for about it. Um, it's funny that this takes place in Germany. Um, like, really, I mean, ser- seriously, the Nazi movement was was happening now whenever this movie came mm-hmm. out in the 30s. And it was based on American eugenics, which was popular um, at the time of this movie and for decades before. Uh, which was, you know, the idea that some people are just born dumb and um, <laughs> and they shouldn't be allowed to reproduce, and it just so happens those people are minorities, you know? <laughs> um, and so, like, that was really a lot of popular thought in the day, and that, you know, obviously they don't talk, they don't use any of those terms, they're not talking about psychology in this movie, but those themes are present because, I mean, this monster is a blank slate, which is, it's a new brain, and um, they show through Fritz's actions that whenever you feed this, when you nurture this with evil, its nature is not evil, they show, but you can nurture it into being a monster. Um, and that's that's sort of what happens in this movie. And I, and I do wonder how much of that was influenced by um, those those popular 
scientific and pseudoscientific mm-hmm. thoughts at the time. Um, if if it's any uh, food for thought, I probably would say that it was probably influenced because mm-hmm. especially with uh, the Wolfman, uh, especially that also harkens to um, a lot of the stuff that was going on in Europe during that time mm-hmm. period, especially whenever it came to conflicts, controversies there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely would not be surprised if that took a major factor into it there. Um, But yeah, and so it's really um, interesting, again, just to kind of see, you know, Frankenstein kill people, like, you know, actually kill people. So again, it's not even like, you know, oh, you know, he's purely innocent Mm because they could have easily done that as well as like, oh, no, it's a big misunderstanding. And it's really just kind of a little bit of both because, like, (laughs) the fact that you see that he uh, hung Fritz is uh, very shocking because you see the body. It's not even off screen. It's still what you Mm -hmm. you see the body hanging there, which is which is Mm -hmm. also a fun callback to. I mean, Frankenstein's body is largely from a hanged man. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like this is something that might be in his nature to know, (laughs) like, you know, somewhere deep in the, the, the vibes of his body still zapping around in the electricity is, is the knowledge of how to hang someone. Yeah. And that's, that comes as a question. Like, is that just the abnormality? or does it just come from the primal state there where right. it's fight or flight? Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of the interesting thing again where you could kind of confer like how much is this of uh, Frankenstein's, if he has any malice or if he's just purely innocent, it's really mm-hmm. hard to tell. And I think that's just what makes for a good story. It's just all gray matter. Right. You know, <laughs> nothing's black and white, even though the film gray is. Gray matter. Yes. Green. That's Ooh. a good one. Thank you for catching yeah. on. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I do... I love how they set it up because it's clearly a question of how do we get the monster out of his uh, imprisonment there and believable. And, you know, while I feel like Dracula did feel like stuff was like, okay, I get it, but couldn't you have written it a different way perhaps there? Um, This one I feel like is completely sound because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's them... struggling to keep this body down you know because he's going you know bananas trying to like just attack everybody there yeah. uh, but the interesting thing he really only ever directly kind of tries to kill fritz because he knows that fritz is ca- causing him harm whereas the other ones you know he does try to wrestle them mm-hmm. but it's never immediately like go for the kill right there and so while this is all going on, you know, Henry's dad is coming up. He's like, I'm finding out what my son's doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm Southern in Germany, but, you know. <laughs> he, he does not sound Southern in the film. Mind you, this is just my own Oklahoman <laughs> coming out. Um, but going up there and dealing with it, and again, you know, he's like, my dad can't know about this. Nobody mm-hmm. else can know about it. And everyone was like, I completely understand there. Um, and... Uh, man, I, I hate jumping back, but I have to hit this point. Another thing I love about the creation scene is the fact that it's not just Henry and Fritz there. Mm-hmm. That he does have an audience there of yeah. people that are doubting him. And he's just like, you know, I'll well, we'll you. see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see who's crazy, mm-hmm. you know. And he's just fully confident. Uh, I, I just love that they have that. And I love that they also understand that, yeah, people can't know about this. Right. This is really messed up. And they care about his well-being mm-hmm. and so whenever they help uh get rid of the body there that uh the doctor is just like uh yeah i'll, I'll take care of him i'll take care of him you go mm-hmm. upstairs and entertain you know your father and your fiance and then you just all of a sudden see like you know uh 
Henry just collapsed just from exhaustion and mm-hmm. everything. It just hits them all at once there. And then they're like, no, you need to get out of here. You know, we're going to get you better and you need to get married. These experiments are unhealthy for you. Right. And, you know, they pull them away. And that's whenever, you know, the doctor is like, oh, don't worry. I'll take care of it and I'll make sure everything's cleaned up. Yeah. And so that's completely believable in that sense. And it's also believable in the fact that, you know, again, as the doctor, you know, he's going to strategically, you know, dissect it there and just to go straight for the kill there. Mm -hmm. It also makes sense because they talk about whenever they, um, uh, I was about to say neutralize, but it sounds like death, uh. But whenever, like sedative, <laughs> sedative. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sedatum. Yeah, sedatum. That's the word I'm looking for. Holy cow! And sedative is a line from Young Frankenstein. <laughs> 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 Two words: sedative. <laughs> um, whenever they sedate him, you know they're like, "Oh yeah, this is a really strong thing. He's going to be out for a long time." Mm-hmm. And of course, he happens to wake up from the anesthesia or whatever, and again. You know, he's getting, like, you know, dissected on. You don't really see how much he's doing, but uh, the monster knows, like, okay, I'm taking you out because you're trying to hurt me. Right. And he kills the doctor right there. And, again, it's pretty, like, graphic. Like, not in the sense that you see any gore or anything, but just, again, it's just silencing your hair. Ah! Right. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's one of the stronger, like, horror mm-hmm. elements in this film, I think, to, like, have somebody mm-hmm. that you think is dead and then he wakes up mm-hmm. and, like hand on the back of your neck i mean it's like it's one of those things where you know the frankenstein's monster is not really like like a, like a killer like you know jason mm-hmm. or michael or whatever yeah but he's he in that moment you know he like jump scares him and kills him you know what i mean yeah and uh, that's the other thing i love is like whenever you see him lumber around the the monster you could see his like muscle strands yeah. all throughout his arm so he he looks like he could choke you out like nobody's business right and I love, like, his fighting style that he has mm-hmm. going on. Not that it's, like, you know, karate, kung fu, martial arts, but just, like, he'll sometimes cup his hands together to use as, like, a heavy club. Yeah. There, and, you know, again, go for a choke. Again, just very primal stuff. Right. There, and so um, I think that's just so well done. And I do really love that the film does have a bit of a lull whenever it comes to the marriage and wedding because mm-hmm. it kind of allows more of the humanity to be shown in um, Henry. Because you do see that he does love Elizabeth at the beginning of the film. He's just like, don't worry, honey, I'm almost done with this, you know, there. Mm -hmm. But you still see the manic in his eyes, as opposed to him being calm. And he's like, oh, I'm so happy we're getting married. And it's just, you get to see the wedding there. It is a bit of a slower part, but for me, I actually kind of enjoy Mm -hmm. that slower part whenever it does. Because again that first third of the film is pretty intense with how much stuff happens. So then you have a little bit of a break there and kind of get to see what his normal life was. Right. And it's also one of those things where you kind of know something bad's coming (laughs) Um, because like it's, it's not too far, you know, they, after he leaves that they show the scene where, um, you know, the doctor's working on him and he gets choked out and killed. And so you know that it's just a matter of time before Frankenstein makes it into the town and you start to see the scenes, like the Maria scene and everything, mm-hmm. um, until until they, they finally... The town becomes aware of, you know, the monster as a whole and they all go to, to hunt it down. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like so you know it's coming so that kind of makes the him like enjoying his life and like this is wonderful kind of be a little more less slow because you're like all right but it's all gonna come crashing down you know? yes absolutely and um, it's also during this time whenever we get that really well done scene overall with uh, maria and mm-hmm. her dad who's like leaving it's like okay you have fun playing with that kid and now they're um mm-hmm. and you know again she's out playing by the water and then instinctively whenever you see the monster arrive you think like oh my gosh this girl is going to be like killed mm-hmm. by him but again it kind of subverts your expectation there because again she greets him with such a warmness and kindness right. there and he's just kind of processing it because he's never met any individual that's been this sickeningly sweet to them because mm-hmm. even with henry kind of being more nurturing he also did it kind of as a scientist right there as opposed to just like someone who loves his creation mm-hmm. there um and so you get like this really sweet moment and again like you know he's still processing stuff like i don't right. know how long he's been alive mm-hmm. but you know you see like the gears turning his head and you actually just get to see him smile there whenever mm-hmm. he gets ex- again like really enjoy the smaller things in life because she's like here let's make boats with flowers mm-hmm. you know and like tossing it and then he tosses the flowers that she gave her mm-hmm. and again he's smiling having fun and so he's thinking oh throwing stuff in water is fun mm-hmm. <laughs> thus leading him to toss maria into the water right and she's like no you're hurting me <laughs> and then just plops in the water which again it's comedic but also if you take it to the sense that she couldn't swim and mm-hmm. drown right. uh it's horrifying at the same time right and it's just yeah it's one of those things that's a horrible accident but it, it's also just like just an awesome sort of audience experience to see like these are the two examples of innocence in the story you know what i mean because mm-hmm. like he's an innocent blank slate <laughs> at that point um he's obviously been traumatized up until this point so you wonder how he's going to react to this thing but then you see how he reacts to love for the first time and he's like oh this is nice you know mm-hmm. what i mean and she's innocent because she sees this giant lumbering murderous monster and yeah. it's just like you want to play you know what i mean yeah. she, she they they both there don't understand the consequences of the world and it's really just you know a terrible accident that that leads mm-hmm. to the remainder of the story but... yeah and i do like that and, and it makes me kind of curious to see how the gears in his head turn because again whenever he tosses her in mm-hmm. he all of a sudden just starts to panic and worry right he's like oh bad thing happened i didn't mean that and, yeah. like and probably again like maybe he just realizes that she just died mm-hmm. there somehow and it just kind of makes it kind of again question like whether she drowned or she was killed before drowning there because mm-hmm. you, you just hear help you're hurting me i think she yeah. was drowned yeah because yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the father kind of parades her through the streets later. Yeah, which then... that's one hell of a scene as yeah, well. Yeah. Just like a father bringing his dead daughter through the city, seeing the distraught on his face is such a yeah. strong and scene. Through a festival, nonetheless, yes. where people are celebrating, it turns from celebrating to like an angry mob, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's also a well-done transition, because mm-hmm. it's like, how do you take a celebrating village and turn them into an angry mob? Right. Seeing well, it, a it was... dead child. It's like it was a whole like yeah. they like they turned into like a depressed crowd and mm-hmm. then into an angry mob. You see the whole mood swing with the entire crowd, which is awesome. But. Yeah, and again, you know, you hear him. You know, <laughs> again, whenever he brings it in, and mm. you know, he's like, "My daughter, she drowned." He's like, "I'm really sorry, but why'd you bring the body?" Is like, 
she was murdered mm-hmm. and so then everyone's like oh my god there's a child murderer right there and then of course you know they're a very tight-knit you know town mm-hmm. and so then they unite under uh each other and then they kind of realize you know because at the same time you know this is whenever you, you mentioned earlier elizabeth like kind of gives the foreshadowing forewarning to mm-hmm. henry like i have a really bad feeling right i i don't know what's going to happen and again you know he's just like um oh you know everything's fine and then victor comes up and says uh hey henry i i gotta talk to you real quick and he's like uh elizabeth stay right there and you know he closes the door and he's like uh hey the doctor was just found dead and he's like oh my god and then they hear that and he's like oh my god it sounds like he's upstairs i'm going to lock the door so that way elizabeth is safe Mm -hmm. and so you i again i feel like it's just well done writing there because they easily could have just uh done it differently there but you see like okay, how do we make sure the monster is about to attack Elizabeth and nobody's there to able to help save her? Mm -hmm. Because again, Henry is frantically looking upstairs. He's like, oh, well, maybe he's downstairs. Then he hears Elizabeth scream. He's like, oh my God, Elizabeth. And everyone's trying to get the door. And so he's the one that's able to break in, Um, which I I will. (laughs) Another unintentional goofy moment there is again, whenever the monster arrives and, you know, Elizabeth sees her the first time and she does like that shock scream and he goes, <laughs> like yeah. almost like a rowl, yeah. <laughs> growl there. It's just well, I do wonder if that was intentional. Oh my god! No. no, this might be this might be messed up, but because of all yeah. the other subtle layers of things they put in, I mean, there's kind of like a literary history of like, and this is I know this is triggering, I guess, but yeah, the, of yeah, sexual t- assault yes. of a woman on their wedding day, mm-hmm. and like when he comes in, like you don't see the attack, and you like see her on the bed, so like, <laughs> I yeah, wonder... I, I I saw that, and I was like. <laughs> he didn't do it he didn't do it he didn't do it, which, didn't do it. I, if they were implying that that's probably the limit at which they could imply it in a film in 1930s yeah. but um yeah so i don't i don't know what to make i yeah. just for my own conscience choose to believe that he didn't <laughs> that's me minute. too that's me too aaron <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking i'm like no 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 like I, he just scared her and he got right. scared I, I'm, I'm choosing that but then again like they do have that scene in young frankenstein that has not <laughs> aged very well yeah that is there true. uh so there is also that so there could be that implied thing mm-hmm. uh i might unfortunately have to look at imdb see if my uh image of frankenstein is ruined you know like <laughs> i i am not <laughs> i am not representing a uh assaulter right. like that whatsoever um but yeah it it is very kind of perturbing because it is kept very vague because you just see elizabeth being like oh monster Oof. okay y'all all all wikipedia says monster enters elizabeth room causing her to scream when the searchers arrive they find elizabeth unconscious the monster has escaped so it's even vague here's what cliff notes says about the book Uh oh while victor is prowling the calls of the inn where the couple was living the monster makes good on his threat to victor enters their bedroom and strangles elizabeth Hmm. So maybe it could be allusion to that, perhaps, there. Again, it's just... But, no, I understand exactly where you're coming from, and I think your thoughts are valid. Mm -hmm. So, again, I think it's just... it could be up to audience interpretation. I I, Like Aaron mentioned, I think we both just kind of uh, pray and assume that he did not uh, do anything uh, 
awful to Elizabeth, but instead just scared her mm-hmm. uh, to where she just basically fainted. I think because um, again, it is also kind of hinted at that the monster himself, you know, doesn't usually try to go attacking people unless he's provoked. And Elizabeth was kind of scared screaming there, right. but he did try to chase her. So there's, there's that very vague line as mm-hmm. to what happened. I don't know if you found anything else in your research. No, I mean, a lot of yeah. stuff that was book specific, but uh, there's obviously two different kind of lines there. But even in the book, it doesn't seem to, because she, yeah. she is also attacked on her wedding night in the book, but it does not, there's there's an omission of any sexual details in the book as well. Yeah. So, so I, I, I would prefer to keep it that way, but obviously if you think it happened the other way, I can understand completely why. And I, and I yeah. some of that vaguety might be intentional too, to be yes. like, oh, maybe that, maybe not. You know? Yeah, for sure. And that, that also could just further antagonize it, because again, that's what kind of, like Henry throughout this whole thing is having to come to terms that the one thing he wanted to succeed in life, he now has to destroy, which mm-hmm. is hard, but he does it so believably. He does it step by step there. Right. Cause at first he's like, no, nah, he's perfect. He's great. He's like, well, I mean, he has a little flaws. <laughs> okay. He's killing people, but he antagonized. Okay. Well, he killed a girl. Right. Attack my fiance yeah okay we got to get rid of him Mm -hmm. (laughs) there and so i do like that he does come to his own senses there and just being like i i feel like i have to get rid of him but it's also at this so you understand his point of view but you also understand that the monster is not completely at fault per se like it's just misunderstanding again just being new to life and everything and it does lead to a very impressive mob scene. I like the mob scene is definitely well done. And again, just marching through that village there, you know, again, I can't help but think like, you know, even like beauty and the beast, whenever they have the mob mm-hmm. took some inspiration from this. I was just thinking like, you know, one of the more pivotal, unfortunately movies in, in Hollywood history with mob scene <laughs> is I'm sure audiences at the time are like, wow, well, I haven't seen a mob scene this good since birth of a nation. <laughs> 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 oh my god oh oh that was a good one man. that was a good one um very important film very 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 troubling film <laughs> important film terrible subject matter. yes exactly it's, that it's a it's propaganda but i mean that's uh, propaganda is a very prominent part of film history and film current so i mean yes. whatever but yeah 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 that's our thoughts on birth of a nation <laughs> stay tuned for the episode to release never yeah. well that's probably a horror movie but it is yeah standard, it, so. yeah exactly so <laughs> perhaps perhaps <laughs> um yeah and so uh that leads uh to this big chase scene which again you know it is it this does lull a little bit surprisingly because again it does focus on the big mob shots but there's also a lot of impressive shots they do like the swooping uh, shot there and everything yeah. there's one from they must have filmed it from some high up view or you could see just the mass crowd mm-hmm. like all the torches in the crowd and i was like wow like i didn't know they were doing helicopter shots in the 30s like uh, <laughs> obviously wasn't but yeah. that's what it looked like yeah. i know that's why they applaud citizen kane is for the implements of new camera techniques and everything mm-hmm. but i was surprised to see them do a lot more with this camera and then just kind of like you mentioned in dracula it's just regular setups you know just look at everything right there and so it it does it is a very impressive mob scene it does linger on for 
quite a bit there mm. and again there's like no music to hype it up there it's just mostly it's just, just yelling. You know, yeah mobs yelling going rah, 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 rah. and you know they're like you know you go this way i'll go this way you go this way and so um you believe like you know that henry would want to team up because again he's like i need to find this creation destroy it i know what we're right. going up against they don't and like, he doesn't it. want to give it away that mm. he created this thing either so he's like yeah let's get whoever this thing is even though i know what it is. Mm-hmm. um and so whenever they go through um i do also love that you know out of all the settings that it was in the mountains there uh because again um a lot of this will play into it but you know you talk about like the opening entry they had for the novel frankenstein the modern prometheus there yeah. and so again i do love that they chose to do it at this rock formation yeah. there and them going through and again whenever they're looking through they're going place to place and you see the monster you know going rawr, rawr, you know right. they're just like clearly upset but i do i do love the moment that whenever henry is like separate from the group because they split off that he finds the monster the monster looks at him and they just kind of stare eye to eye because they just both realize you know that if they don't take the other one out problems are going to keep happening and the uh, yeah and uh, there's another one of those big moments i love that whenever they they finally he gets chased into the the windmill again Mm -hmm. and he carries henry with him and then henry kind of wakes up and they they do this thing where they're rotating around in the cogs of the windmill such a good scene and they're looking at each other through through these like frames that are caused Mm -hmm. by the windmill and it they 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 both see each other in each other for a minute you Mm -hmm. know what i mean before they realize they have to go back to killing each other i just think that's such a strong thing because they easily could have just they could have just written it in a way that either makes the monster too sympathetic or too monstrous Mm -hmm. there but i feel like they coil on that fine line because even whenever they fight and everything um you know uh so surprised to no one the monster is able to knock henry unconscious there because when it comes to fisticuffs you're gonna lose typically Mm -hmm. but his instinct isn't you know immediately kill it's instead grab henry and then whenever he's being chased by the mob he runs to the windmill because again it's like their safety right and again because he could have easily killed him Mm -hmm. he he obviously has killed a person before there but instead his instinct is just to go unconscious because again it is i mean it could be does he view him as his creator right as there. his father of sorts yeah yeah and so it's just a very interesting dynamic and so again you see them dragged and again the mobs chasing them to the windmill mm-hmm. and again like that whole scene whenever henry starts to wake up and again all you see the monster doing is just like you know trying to like shoo the the mob to go away like that's his response to everything he doesn't mm-hmm. like whether it's fire and there's lots of fire with the mob and so he's just swiping at it they're like you know go away yeah shoo right you know there and so whenever henry starts to wake up again he doesn't he almost doesn't even want to try to fight it. he tries to crawl away but the monster stops him from escaping and again they do go through those cogs which i love that shot mm-hmm. like I, I had like one of those like ooh moments there right like i I audibly said that just because i'm like that's such a good scene Mm -hmm. like such such good stuff again i know that says game gets like applauded for being like the greatest film of all time with a lot of film techniques in use but there's a lot of 
techniques that were used in films that were uh, way before Citizen Kane. Right. But that's that's beside the point of me saying that Citizen Kane's a little overrated. Just a little. Just a little. Just, just a little. But uh, besides the point there, um, yeah, it's such a good scene there. And I do love that, you know, uh, Henry is able to kind of make a mad dash for like the entryway. And again, he's being held back. The monster's doing everything it can just to hold him there. And you don't know if it's because I want to kill you or no, come back. Right. It is such, it's such clever writing. I do, and I do, and I do mm-hmm. love that this entire arc does. I know the movie doesn't reference this, but the opening book, just that quote from paradise lost. I mean, mm-hmm. paradise lost is fundamentally about a creator creating a creature that rebels against him and, and attempts to overthrow him. Right. You know, he creates mm-hmm. Lucifer as his archangel and archangel tries to like overthrow him to take over heaven. That's what the whole story is about. That's, that's, I mean, that's, it's mirrored here where like the creator has created this, uh, monster that he realizes that he thought it was going to be creating life and something helpful and a breakthrough. And he talks about becoming God. I know what it feels like to be God because I made mm-hmm. this thing and then this thing rebels against him, um, and, and uh, tries to overtake him. Um, and they, they both know at the end that they have to take the other one out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is a, just a, sorry, another fucking literary reflection there. But, no, I, I um, think it's definitely good to point out. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of mirroring in that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And then to see him, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, the, the, where they're looking at each other through the cogs is like, yeah, yeah he, sees, he sees the monster as a man and the man sees... And the and the and Frankenstein's monster sees Frankenstein as a monster. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it's just an interesting like look in the mirror there. Yeah, definitely interesting dynamic, and I love that they put it in the film there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just to take that opportunity because again, it it feels like you know, again, it doesn't feel like they purposely went out of their way to do it. It feels right. like just something natural that would happen, and again, just allows that moment to really shine. Right. And they could have easily mm-hmm. omitted that moment, but it's like it's it just adds so much to put it right there before both of their fates are decided. But. Absolutely agree. And uh, you have great moments like that, and then followed by one of the silliest moments again. Whenever mm-hmm. uh, Frankenstein is able to uh, escape the grasp of the monster, and then you just see this very limpy body yeah. fall. Well, he's kind of like on... thrown over a bit by the monster. Yeah. He like yeah, this yeah, this terrible rag doll hits the the mill, the 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 one of the mills of the windmill. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just hangs there a bit, and you see, like, the arms and legs twist as he falls. And again, it's just like, could they have not found a better mannequin or something at the time? But at the same point, it's such a quick, they're gone, just to explain kind of what happened. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the bats in Dracula. Like, you know how it's done there. And even though it's goofy, you understand the point. It gets the point across. Um, And again, does lead to the thing of just, like... um, I don't think they even say if he's alive or not in that scene whenever they're just trying to check him. Right, right. Real Which is quick. why I thought, you know, maybe he dies. Or, mm-hmm. but... And then, you know, that just leads the mob to just be like, okay, well, the creature's trap will burn the windmill down, you right. know. That he won't be able to escape that. Especially and, to them, because the mob yeah. doesn't really realize that this is, like, where he was created or really what Frankenstein mm. is. They're just calling him the murderer, you know. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's not like poetic, like this is where he was created Mm -hmm. and now this is where he dies. It's also like, remember that this is the place where, where all of these obsessive research happened. And even when he was getting carried away back to, um, 
to to be calm with Elizabeth, he was like, "Oh, my research are you, is that?" And 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 the professor is like, "Don't worry, I'll document it all." But the, that professor dies, and so what's going up in flames is not only like this creature and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the entire lab and all his research and just this forbidden knowledge that should have never surfaced in the first place. It's like God's retaking it, you know what I mean? It's like burning in flames. 9.8, baby, 9.8. <laughs> We're slowly getting up to a 10, slowly cranking it up to a 10. Um, I, I think that's definitely really good. And, the, and I feel like it's just, it is very poetic also, the fact that he is being consumed by fire because again, I'm mentioning this a 50th time, the tale of Prometheus again is the fact that he, you know, brought fire to mankind. And because of that, he was punished and Mm -hmm. forced to suffer, which again, I always imagine like the rock landscape there, but again, just also, you know, you talk about like, you know, you're born by fire, dying by fire there. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like just for the creature to, you know, be surrounded by the flames, the one thing that he hates. And right. it's really traumatic, which is the weird thing you see. Because, again, comparing to Dracula, not that this should be a comparison, but mm-hmm. I can't help but compare to, right. you know, his death is on off screen and you just hear, oh, oh. They focus on all of the terror mm-hmm. of the monster because he's screaming. He's scared yeah. out of his mind because there's fire everywhere. He's like, I don't know what's going on. Right. Why? fires happening because again he doesn't really know anything about the world he just sees this fire and again he's just trying to figure out what to do he doesn't know where to go because he's surrounded by the flames and the people there and whenever he runs inside he's trapped under one of the support beams Mm -hmm. and you just see this windmill consumed in flames it's just such a powerful image there and just really kind of horrifying in a sense because again you know this is a film whenever you're viewing like you know oh this is the monster you won't feel bad that he's defeated but i felt super bad watching him just again because you could just see the fear that boris puts into this performance there just screaming just shrill Mm -hmm. you know scared noises and again uh, i i think it is completely accurate in the fact that because they deliberately chose to in the film uh, with the scene afterwards, it just took away all the intensity yeah. of that one scene that I wish would have just been kind of permeated. But again, I, I know sometimes I'm also kind of unsure about that because a lot of times you'll see films and you're like, yep, they're dead, the end, you right. know, you know, yeah. sort of Roll thing. Credits. So I would have at least, a, I, I think it definitely needed something to tamper off. I just feel like, you know, it's like one of those things that uh, we went to one extreme to another as yeah. opposed to tampering off a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Like even like dragging, you know, Henry off there and just, again, him saying something poetic, be it Milton or philosophical. Because again, the script is bomb. It's yeah. really strong, really good, really well done. It's just like major applause everywhere for that. But I mean, yeah, I feel like this film... It's just super good. It, it, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'll also note, not only is mm-hmm. like, you know, the Prometheus example uh, with the fire and the windmill uh, super important, but I just wanted I just want to point out that what are they, what are they using for light, but the torches? And so mm-hmm. like, it's really a continuation of the light motif from the beginning is all the fire. And he, he even shrieks at the light in the beginning. And then that's what he gets consumed by is, is the light. You know? 9.85, baby. 9.85. <laughs> We're slowly working our way up to a 10, boys and girls. Uh, if it's... it wasn't for that last scene. <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't for that last scene, just to 
yeah. <laughs> just to blue balls us. Yeah, that's that's really what that takes away the majority of the points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's completely completely fair. But um, yeah, I mean, aside from that, any other points you want to hit up above? Frankenstein? No, man, I think we went through it. Um, Yo, I, I felt like we had a really good discussion there, and there was a lot to applaud and talk about with this film, so mm. that's why um, if you're still listening and you have not seen the film, even though you've heard kind of all the bullet points, it's definitely worth watching. Like, oh, yeah. even if you're not into black and white films there, mm. um, it just pretty much does so many dark, moody uh, dramatic stuff that I I would be remiss to see people dislike it. And I've this is usually the film I show people, you know, that aren't big fans of black and white films. Because mm-hmm. again, it is something that it is a little bit of an acquired taste, I believe, there mm-hmm. if they're not used to it. But I've shown my parents this, I've shown my wife this, and they all love it, yeah. you know. And so that's speaking like loudly on just how strong of a film it is that even if it's older black and white that it's still entertaining this many years later yeah um but yeah i i think i think we'll be able to uh close the chapter on this book here so um it was really fun getting to dig into this film again uh, i was uh very surprised to see like you know how much we were able to dissect with the universal films not Mm -hmm. to say that there isn't a lot but again just podcast wise since we've talked about a lot more modern Mm -hmm. well modern films as compared to these films uh, it's really cool just to kind of dissect it here so uh, definitely we'll probably visit some more universal monster films in the future however with this uh, next film that I'm going to tease for Aaron here. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely going to hearken more towards the wintry aspect okay. of the season there. Uh, definitely a snowy, icy film, to be sure. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. is also a remake uh, that mm. was made in the 80s by a director, which we've seen a couple of his films. Okay. Hmm. Let's, and it also stars uh, Kurt Russell. Oh. Mm. Hmm. Let's see. And it's a it's a very sussy movie. Among Us? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's close. In fact, Among Us actually took inspiration from probably this movie, which was a remake of a movie, which mm-hmm. was an adaptation of a novel. Oh. Um huh. there. Uh, okay, no worries, no worries. We'll mm-hmm. we'll go ahead. Um it, it's sim- it's a similar title to uh it. Where it's just describing, oh. um. and it's let's see, and it starts with the the, and it's. Oh, <laughs> um. You you got it. We're gonna watch the. <laughs> no, um. Okay, let's see. The, um. The sus, be among us. <laughs> close close closer you got the two first letters right and this you you, you, you got close there's an I afterwards the the oh the thing yeah the thing okay yeah yep um 
I didn't know how the hell else to do that. I was like, oh well, man, I, I don't know my grammatical terms. You said it was like it, so I thought it was just like one word. So I was like, the, them, this. Oh, I'm so sorry. I meant to say like it was just like the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, hell, you. You, you got the English terms. It's all uh, good. Yeah, yeah, but that that's what I was going for. Yeah, I can see why I horribly confused you. are like, well, what the crap is this? this right. Yeah. It, it is a pronoun, but I figured you were thinking of like an article because you said these. I was like, this? Them? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it is uh, the thing. Okay. Uh, so thank you all so much for listening to this episode. And we'll see you all again next time when we're popping the scary with John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! The Thing! The Thing! I'm doing something with my brain. The Thing's... <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube, CastBox, or iTunes platforms to stay up to date when new episodes drop. To see what Aaron and I are up to, check out our respective Twitter accounts. For me, it is at ColkirkVA, and for Aaron, it is at AnimalGameDev. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. We'll speak to you all again next time when we're popping the scary. <laughs>